Welcome to this episode of Portraits of Music. I'm Ross Sievertson. And I'm Clay Couturio, music director and conductor of the Richardson Symphony Orchestra. We're here today talking about our February 4th concert, Fascinating Rhythm. Uh, thank you for joining us, uh, Maestro. You want to tell us a little bit about the program? Well, sure. Uh, we're so happy to be bringing in two wonderful artists that we're going to talk with a little bit later in the program, Kapetia Jenkins and Aisha DeHaas. And they're going to be singing uh, selections from uh, the Great American Songbook. Uh, the title, of course, of our concert is Fascinating Rhythm, but part of the repertoire is from the period of music from the uh, 20s, early jazz standards. They'll also sing some 40s show tunes and uh, some uh, music of the 50s as well, but predominantly uh, from the Great American Songbook. And that really has to do with... Um, Broadway, musical theater, which these ladies both have in their in their background. Sure. And what I really like about it is, you if you think of the symphony orchestra, of course, people come for classical concerts. That means it's the composers that, uh, that are real well known to them, to the audience, and to the musicians writing specifically for symphony orchestra. Well, that doesn't make all music uh, put in that one category. In other words, some music can be written for other genres that, that can be also written later for symphony orchestra. And some music in and of its own nature is symphonic. Right. And a lot of this music can be. Now, some of this music was written for a, a jazz trios or small jazz groups right. with singers or even some without singers. Some written for big band. But it can all be, it's such great music can be transferred with symphony orchestra uh, as an accompaniment also. And that's what you're going to hear on this particular concert. Some of the composers involved uh, are Gershwin. Mm -hmm. uh, both George and his brother Ira Gershwin were involved. So we'll uh, play and perform works like Strike Up the Band, uh, So Wonderful, uh, A Foggy Day, Summertime, you know. Right. Uh, and I Got Rhythm. Those are some of the most famous Gershwin tunes that... that um, some will be with the vocalists and some will be with the orchestra alone. Uh, there is some Rogers and Hart, uh, Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. Lady is a Tramp is another Rogers oh, yeah. and Hart. Mm -hmm. So we're coming from musicals. Uh, the big band era will do In the Mood. That's Glenn Miller. Sure. Um, sing, Sing, Sing. That's Benny Goodman, of course, yes. with big clarinet yes, solos yes. and things of that nature. And. Um, then there are some songs that are, you may or may not know the composers, but then the artists themselves made famous, almost like being in love. Well, if you heard Nat King Cole, or once you hear right. his voice, you think of him and that song in particular as much as the composition itself or the, or the composer. Some others in that uh, vein would be A Tisket, A Tasket, Ella Fitzgerald. Uh, that just fits her style and the, the scatting and everything, right. you know, in the, in, in the way that uh, work is portrayed. So I have a, a question. When I can understand how there might be, I don't know if the right word is arrangement. I can understand how big band can be arranged to fit a symphonic orchestra. How do you think that translates when you have like, a quartet because some of these songs were originally sung 
you know, especially as standards, either in a solo sort of way or in a quartet. How does that translate to, you know, symphonic work? To well, a, it take first of all, it takes a, a, a great arranger, someone who right. knows the instrumentation of whatever they're going to arrange it for, in this case, the symphony orchestra. So someone has to be really well aware of uh, how sounds develop within a symphony orchestra. And then it has to do with color. If, it's, if you start with just four parts or, or a quartet, right. and you're going to add an, up to like an 80-piece orchestra, a lot of that has to do with the sounds, how they, how they mesh together. And so uh, I would just equate it to strokes of paint on, on the canvas and how that, how to some people, how that's going to look. And when you have a lot of paint versus just right. four colors. Right, right. Uh, same thing, but all with aural or with the right. sound. Right, so. right. Maestro, I understand that we have added a rhythm section to the orchestra. How, how does that play into the, the program and what you usually, what we usually hear during a concert? Well, for a lot of the works that are on the program, um, originally had rhythm sections in in those works. In other words, if it was for a jazz trio, that is a rhythm right. section itself. Obviously, or if yes. it's a big band, a big yes. band's going to have the rhythm section. And so, um, speaking of big band, a lot of the other instruments in big band are also in the symphony orchestra. Sure. Uh, symphony orchestra typically doesn't have saxophones all the time, but we will for this concert because sure. that incorporates part of the sound. But what we add to it is full string sections, so you have the lush string right. sound. Um, uh, you know, we have the woodwind sections, so we have solos that are added that you may not always get in a big band. It um, Just like I had mentioned before, it just has to do with the color. Right. Um, so the rhythm, rhythm section, which predominantly is drums, and the bass, of course, we have a bass section, but this will be a sure. solo bass, uh, right. uh, as well as the piano. They'll all be up front, right by me, close, because I want them up front for a couple reasons, so the audience can see, of course. Right. But also, if they're in the center of the orchestra, their sound develops, goes from within the heart, the middle of the group, right. all the way out. And um, so, uh, so the orchestra, it's easier to hear right. the rhythm and the basic beat and it's easier to play together if they can hear that from the center as opposed to way off to the side right so um the musicians in the orchestra are used to on pops concerts such as this to to listen for that and um they look forward to it because it's a little bit of a different flavor than what typically we typically hear in a program right you know uh, most of the musicians in the orchestra are what we would call classically trained so yes. they're trained to uh, play the uh, music of Bach and Beethoven and Mozart and in, in, sure. in that style, but they also learn while they're in school to play uh, jazz standards and, and things mm -hmm. of this nature. They don't do it as much, but um, it just depends on where you went to school too. Right. For example, you know I teach at University at of North UNT, Texas, yes. and it has a huge jazz program, and so. There's quite a bit of collaboration between um, <clears throat> the, if you want to call classical and jazz. Mm -hmm. It's just you're you're, it's like a big family. You're all there together, and, and and we have we come up with great ideas to to collaborate. And so if you have that background, then when you go and you get a professional job somewhere, it's just it's already in your blood. Yes. 
So of all the works I've, I've mentioned so far, and there are more, there's sure. than, than I don't want to give everything away. Uh, let's just take a few. I always wonder about you know the audience thoughts, and so I can't talk to them direct. We're talking to them uh, through media, but let me ask you as the audience, uh, which of these um, brings back memories or are influential to you in any way, any of the songs that were mentioned? Yeah, so... You know, obviously, you can't you can't think of jazz without uh, somewhere over the rainbow and the variations of of the different vocalists from you know Liza Minnelli and and um, listening to to those songs and it's not just doesn't invoke you know, the feelings from any film or movie, it's, you know, sort of a sense of a hope. And, you know, the A-Train and a Tisket, a Tasket, just how uh, Ella projects uh, that music is, just brings back a lot of memory. And and we've talked about this before, of how much of a jazz fan I am. And uh, it's great that we that we'll get to hear some of these from exceptional vocalists. Well, what I think about any great work of art, music, you can take the music itself. Let's let's say, let's take take the A train, mm-hmm. and of course the the composition itself and the composer that that is I admire the most. But with that is each performance of it mm-hmm. from each different artist uh, you can hear take the a-train duke ellington yes and get something totally Completely out of it different. Than if ella fitzgerald yes. sings it yes or you take it to another place and it to me that expresses how important the performer is um now a great work of art will stand on its own even sometimes if it's a bad performance, <laughs> it's such great music it's, that it can help that case. Whereas a work of uh, a different work may not be the greatest piece and the performer has to raise its level to get it uh, across. Right. It goes both ways. But, but that's what great art is. That when it's such great music, it can be performed in, with different personalities. And, and we've talked you know, over over the last few years, several times about how even listening to the same performance from the same orchestra because it's live, it has, you will never hear that the same way again, much in the same way of, of listening to Duke versus Ella or, yes. you know, Glenn Miller or any of the the... Well, any music, especially any live performance. And you can also hear, because for famous songs that everybody knows, like Take the A-Train, you can hear some influences of one artist to another artist. You could think, oh, they took this from them, or this is how this worked out here. And and to me, that's very interesting, uh, because the progression of that over time shows the progression of music and performance itself. Right. And how, how artists and composers all influenced each other. Yeah. And I think, you know, from looking at symphonic music and also looking at jazz and, and other genres of music, 
there is so much connection between all of it um, if we if we really focus and listen to the performance and listen to the artistry um, it to me has consistently made an impact on 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 me well and i I've said this on this program before and I'll say it again now to me music is there's two types there's good music and there's not so much good music <laughs> one you know right. or there of course there's different and every, and that can be subjective uh, sure. you know people's opinions but I don't like to categorize it as in just classical or jazz yes. of course there are genres sure. uh, but music and performing music is all one all together and what I mean by that is uh, let's take improvisation, for example. At one point in classical music, during the Baroque era, there was a lot of improvisation. Now, over time, there was less during certain periods of, of music. It's come back more now. But jazz, you all automatically think of improvisation. A lot of it is. And there's a connection there. When was Baroque music, right? Uh, 1685, right. 1750, around that, you know, that time. And jazz, of course, predominantly from an American standpoint, is early 20th century to now. That's a big time period, space in between. But the idea of improvisation has influenced each other. And there are jazz uh, performers who might improvise somewhat in, this, in the style of a uh, way a, a Baroque uh, specialist would improvise. Right. It, yeah, it, and... That adds that that spontaneity, I guess, yes, um, to the art uh, and impacts the audience. So, and as far as performance is concerned, and live performance, sometimes in, in improvisation, the greatest things can happen. I mean, you hear something that is so incredible, you thought, "How is that even possible?" And sometimes it can't be replicated, right? And it's it's nice to have it recorded when that happens too, just so it it is there for posterity. But there's nothing like hearing it that first time. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to us chatting with Capathia and Aisha here shortly. We're here today with Capathia Jenkins and Aisha De Haas. And good uh, good good to see both of you guys today. Hey, nice to be here. Hello. Thanks for having me. So let me start off by asking, I know our listeners would want to know a little bit about both of you and your background and your musical background. Capetia, we'll start with you. Can you just tell us uh, growing up and your interest in music and what brought you to become uh, the artist that you are now? Sure. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I grew up singing in the church, but very early on I had a music teacher I expressed to my mom that she thought I had some real talent and that my mom should nurture it, and she did. And so I be began studying classical voice very early um, through the High School of Music and Art in New York, um, and then went to Temple University for a jazz program where I fell in love with Ella and Sarah and Dinah and, and the Great American Songbook and and all of that. Um, and then uh, the beginning of my career really was in musical theater, um, mostly on Broadway. Um, and about, I think maybe 11 or 12 years ago, I began 
working in the symphony world and um, and have been doing concerts, you know, around the world really uh, with symphony orchestras and different music programs. I do an Aretha show, um, a Frank and Ella show, and of course the show that Aisha and I are doing, you know, just celebrating the great American songbook and the great singers that have come before me. So that's a, a quick sort of speed round. <laughs> But that's that's my story. <laughs> Indeed, it is. <laughs> and about you, your background, and then I want to ask how you guys, uh, how you met. Oh, okay. Well, um, I grew up. Uh, both of my parents are jazzers. Uh, my father played with with some of the great uh, jazz musicians um, of his day. Um, and my mother sang with her brother and sister in a jazz trio that recorded four or five um, albums uh, in the late 50s. And uh, so I have always been surrounded by this music. Um, then I went to high school and had a fantastic teacher who really gave me a foundation and said, you know, once you have uh, the foundation, uh, she taught bel canto in, in high school. Uh, she said, you can sing anything. And um, she was absolutely correct. Um, and then after college, I started uh, working right away, really, in musical theater. Um, and uh, that's uh, that's what brought me back to New York. I was born, born here, but uh, grew up really half my life in Chicago. And um, and um, so it's it's kind of gone on from there. Uh, Capathia didn't mention that we also uh, sang backup for Olita Adams for about eleven. Oh my 11 God! How years, many years? Like that. <laughs> a lot of years. Uh, but we met long ago because my brother, who was also in the business, did a show with Capathia, and that's when we met. So that had to be about almost 25 years ago. Yeah, 25 years yep. ago. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I'm glad you both mentioned uh, uh, there were teachers that were influential to you, of education, that it, it really mm -hmm. it, it takes that in, in, in anything, but especially in music. I really think so. Yes, um, for sure. So, of course, you mentioned uh, Ella Fitzgerald and and, I was just wondering about what is it about her and the other artists that, uh, that a lot of the songs you sing are made famous by these artists. What is it about her that you admire? Uh, everything, the way she carried herself on stage, not to mention just that the, her pure tone, um, the intonation was fantastic. Uh, and then her creativity, as uh, as I think we all know, as far as um, um, her scat singing was concerned, it's just amazing. It was amazing. Um, yeah, and I'll just add to that, that nobody could swing like Ella. Uh, nobody. And, you know, even when you listen to her recordings, like I didn't have the great privilege of seeing her live, but when you listen to her recordings, there is a joy, right? There's a joy in the way she expresses herself. It's all so full of joy. I mean, I think that's the thing that I like to try to tap into 
when I'm doing sort of an Ella original, like Nelson Riddle arrangement that he yeah. did for her, I'm trying to tap into that pure joy because I mean, you hear her and you can't help but smile, you know, yeah. and that, I mean, that's a gift. Like you can't be taught that, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. either you have that or you don't, no, or you don't. don't. Ella had yeah. all of it. I'll tell you a quick story. My my teacher, one of my, my conducting teacher, uh, Ella got to perform with Ella Fitzgerald, and she she came up to him at the rehearsal, and she wasn't she wasn't going to sing everything during rehearsal, just some of the concert. But uh, she came up to him and she said, uh, "Just one thing." She said, "One bit of advice: you just keep the tempo on go, and I'll see you at the end." And yeah. He he yeah. knew what she meant. She, he knew what she meant before. But after she, you know, performed, even at rehearsal, he was just amazed at, at, at yeah. what the artist and what she could do with that. Absolutely. I believe it. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. typically a note we give to to a maestro or to a piano player. That's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'll hear that falling out of... Well, I'm writing that down right now then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, just Very hold this steady I'll and we'll see you at the end. We'll see, yes. <laughs> That's so very I have true. I just a quick question because I'm I just I'm a huge I'm a jazz so I have a huge fan of of Nina Simone and mm -hmm. and Billie Holiday and Ella mm. Fitzgerald and the jazz standards. How would you compare some of you know Ella and Nina have have done some recording did some recordings together? How would you compare sort of your style and hers just to kind of help our audience out in, in terms of, um, you know, in, in terms of style and musicality. Ooh. That's sort of an open. <laughs> wow. You I, go well, first, I personally, yeah, I, I'm just, you know, when I think about Billie Holiday and everything that goes into that went into making her the singer that she was i could not even uh my style is it it, it would it, it it is totally different uh as i think every singer's is because we have not lived the life that she lived and you could hear that life in every note she sung um and just uh, yes. You know, when you talk about an Ella who could sing, I, I don't know, a hundred notes, a <laughs> hundred notes in a second. And then when you think about Billy and her approach, it's just, it, it's apples and oranges, really. And um, I think, uh, depending on the song, that I am somewhere in the middle <laughs> in my approach to um, singing the Great American Songbook. Um, I think that uh, uh, because I've had, uh, you know, a, a background in musical theater as well, um, that my my approach is very, um, you know, it's not a, a Billie Holiday or um, an Ella Fitzgerald. It's really a conglomeration of all the great singers that I have listened to through the years, really. Well, um, and every everybody's personality is different so i would expect you know your personality to come through in 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 its own way i mean it's going to sound different than yeah. if 
Capacia sings it or if whoever yeah. sings it. And that's what makes yep. it special. And that I mean, I I will agree. I'll agree agree with everything you're saying, and 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 obviously everything Aisha is saying. And also, you know, I talked about coming to this music when I was in college, right? When I think about my college self and myself today, the <laughs> the approach is even more different, right? Because you mm-hmm. are always approaching the Great American Songbook from your own life experience, right? So when you you know, if you're singing about the man I love, right, and you're like 20 years old, well, have you really loved anybody, really? I mean, you can you can sort of kind of approximate what you mm-hmm. think that is, but when you're a grown-ass woman who has loved and lost and all that, it, it takes on a different thing when you sing those really, really delicious lyrics, yeah. right? And the yeah. storytelling of the Great American yeah. Songbook it's yes. just they don't write songs like that anymore. So mm-hmm. it's really coming from your life experience and obviously your musicality as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that is that's all in the approach, and that was all in the in the approach of Ella and Sarah and Dinah and Billy mm-hmm. and Nina. You know, Nina's mm-hmm. approach is about yeah. the, the 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 the. What the time that she was living in, right? Mm-hmm. She was a real activist, and there was things in her spirit, in her heart, that she wanted to talk about. So mm-hmm. it's it's all of that. You're bringing all of yeah. that to 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 your performance. Yeah, you know, it, and it can happen over uh, all genres of music. I, I know famous conductors who approach a Brahms symphony in their twenties, and then approach a Brahms mm-hmm. symphony in their fifties, and then in their seventies. It, it's yeah. It's all perspective of your yourself and your life looking at that music. It's the same thing, of course. Yep. Exactly. Yes, yes. We'd like to thank our podcast sponsors, Humanities of Texas, The Ray Charitable Trust, and Frost Bank. I want to remind everyone that tickets are available at the Eisman Center ticket office and on their website at eismancenter.com. Maestro, thank you. It's always great to chat with you. And thank you, our listeners, for tuning in to Portraits and Music with Maestro Clay Catorio. I'm your producer and co-host, Ross Sievertson. Remember, if you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button so you can get new episodes downloaded to you automatically. Reviews and ratings are always appreciated, and it helps us to provide you with more great inside conversations from the Richardson Symphony Orchestra. Until next time.